Hey everybody, this is Kylie Gable. Welcome to another episode of the Feminization Boudoir Podcast from Candy Apple Press. And before we get going with another great audio from Shayla Spazia, or I should say two great audios from Shayla Spazia, I need your help on something. I mentioned this last week. I am thinking of starting a subscription-based podcast. And I'm not even sure on the price yet. But the idea would be, on a normal podcast, which comes out on Monday, you get a clip from the new audio. You know, you'll have interviews sometimes. I need to get another interview soon. Um, In addition to interviews, you know, you'll have my charming voice. And, um, you know, that's Monday nights. And there would be absolutely no change in that podcast. Nothing. The idea with the subscription podcast would be a day earlier, you know, Sunday night you would be able to get the podcast with the audio in its entirety. Not half of it, not two-thirds of it, but the entire audio. And the talking in between, the interviews, all that would be the same between the two podcasts. It would just be a question of the length of the audio. And what I'm trying to figure out is, is this something you would be interested in? Roughly how much would this be worth to you? And if this is not something you would be interested in, is this something that would offend you? That there was this new, like, other class of listeners who got more. They'd be paying more, of course, and it wouldn't affect the free podcast. But I really do care about what you think. I'm going to do a poll on Anchor. And I would love it if you would take that poll just just to help me kind of figure out, is there interest in this? Because if there is, I think it's something I want to pursue, but I don't want to lose you. You've been such great supporters for so long. I don't want to alienate my current listeners. And um, if people are like, no, I don't, I don't want to pay extra for that. If I like an audio, I'll buy the clip on clips for sale like I do now. Hey, that's fine too. But the only way I can really find out is by asking you. Okay, so speaking of audios, today we have two from Shayla Aspasia. And one of the reasons Shayla is doing so much right now is I've been really bad about getting the audios out to my narrators. It's on my to-do list for tomorrow is to get a new batch out. It's part three of the story Feminized by the Neighborhood Girls. And it's, like I said, Shayla Aspasia at her best. Enjoy. It wasn't a total loss. You gave me a name I hate, I said. Now that you mention it, said Jana, the whole car laughed at my joke. I hope that if I could get in good with the girls, they might just take it easy on me. But I was about to be sorely disappointed. You know, that brings up a whole nother new rule, said Cindy. Oh no, what now, I asked. Since we went through all the trouble of picking out a pretty new name for you, the least you can do is answer to it. Yeah, from now on, if we say Emily, you had better act like you understand it's your name. Got it? I guess, I said. You're not making this easy. Think of it as the price of beauty, said Cindy. Also, continued Jana, tomorrow we want you in a bra, panties, and hose. I rolled my eyes. Is all this necessary? I asked. No, but it's fun and you'll do it, said Lisa. Fine, I groaned. 
Don't be such a downer, said Cindy. We'll probably have something new for you to do tomorrow. Probably, I agreed. When I got home, my sister wanted to know all about my day. I got the feeling that she was living vicariously through the girls who were tormenting me. She couldn't stop laughing when I told her the girls were now calling me Emily, expecting me to answer to it. So sure enough, the next day at school, the girls were waiting for me. They were at least nice enough to pull me into an empty classroom where they could check my underwear without exposing me to the classmates. At lunchtime, I was sitting at my favorite picnic table when Matilda came up behind me. She wanted to see if I was wearing a bra, but she didn't want to make it too obvious, so she gave me a back rub. Hmm, somebody has her bra on today, said Matilda. What color is it? It's tan, I said. Well, that's no fun. I was thinking maybe something in a hot pink, she replied. You actually give a good back rub, I said. You bet she does, and she knows she shouldn't be giving you one. Not to a faggot like you, barked her boyfriend, Adam. You're being rude, snapped Matilda. So, what, you think this loser is going to do anything about it, asked Adam. Look, I don't want any problem, I said. I bet you don't, barked Adam, shoving me in the shoulder. Adam, don't, screamed Matilda. I don't know if this guy was that jealous or just as big of an asshole as I thought he was. But I backed away only to have him advance on me and aggressively get in my face. He wasn't really all that big, but he was bigger than me and certainly angrier. He punched me in the stomach and I doubled over. What followed is still in some doubt throughout Crest Hill and the surrounding towns. Was it a sucker punch? Yeah, it probably was. Did Tyson mean to do it? She was pissed enough to hit him. How did it matter to her whether he was looking or not? I was honestly too consumed with my own pain to notice. All I know is she saved me from getting my ass kicked. With one punch to the jaw, she sent the bigger boy sprawling and stumbling backwards. She caught up to him and punched him again, sending him to the ground. Jana and Lisa pulled her off him before she did something she might regret. But as soon as the other girls' backs were turned, Cindy pounced on top of him. I was a little surprised because, unlike Tyson, fighting boys was not her style. She had no intention of punching him, though. Instead, she came armed with a bright red lipstick. She sloppily coated his lips with a waxy substance before using it to write bitch on his forehead with two-inch letters. What did you do? screamed Matilda at Tyson. I told you not to hurt him. Not when he's punching my friends. Boyfriend is an animal and he needs to be put down, said Tyson. Did she just call me her friend? This was really unexpected. Cindy climbed up from off of Adam and put her arm around me to steady me. Are you all right? she asked. I've been better, I said, but I'll be okay. I looked back and saw Matilda trying to help Adam up. He was still a bit staggered and disoriented by what had happened. I wouldn't want to be near him when he recovered. 
I knew the Matilda would be at ground zero, and I felt guilty about it. Enough people had seen the two punch fight that word spread quickly. I honestly felt like a celebrity because people who had heard it, that it started after Adam punched me, all wanted to know what happened. Punching out one of the biggest assholes in the school gives a person a certain amount of street credibility. Kids who had run-ins with Adam thought of Tyson as a hero, and a lot of girls looked up to her for doing it. There were always those guys who saw a girl punching out a boy as somehow being a direct challenge to their own manhood. They were sure to accuse her of a cheap shot. Finally, as she began to get a lot of attention, some of the popular girls got quite vicious. Of course, we all got called to the dean to explain what happened. I left out the part about Matilda giving me the back rub, only to find out if I had a bra on. I explained that Adam smacked Matilda around and that he had just punched me in the stomach when Tyson intervened. The dean would have been well within his rights to suspend Tyson. She had a long history of getting into fights and this time was very public and Adam never even threw a punch at her. However, the dean appreciated the fact that she was defending me. He told me, you are lucky to have a friend who will defend you like Priscilla. I was pretty sure the dean was kind of amazed that a cute girl could put that kind of hurt on an 18-year-old boy. Instead of suspending her, he gave her eight weeks of Saturday school. She'd have to get up early in the morning to go to the school to do yard work, but at least her parents wouldn't be pissed at her. Tyson took the detention in stride. One side effect was that she wound up in the detention with all of the worst behaved kids in the school. She got along with them pretty well, and they respected her because most of the time when a girl was placed into a heavily masculine world of Saturday detention, she acted like she never saw a rake before in her life. Tyson wasn't like that. She worked harder and better than any of the boys out there, and that meant they could take it a little easier. At first, Adam stayed away from the girls. He didn't want another beatdown from Tyson, and he knew that another would permanently destroy his reputation at the school. However, it wasn't long before he started to believe all the alibis and excuses he was making about his first clash with Tyson. We all know he was taking things out on Matilda, but we had given up on trying to get her to listen to reason. One day, several of us spotted her with a black eye. It didn't take Stephen Hawking to figure out where had that had come from. I felt sick to my stomach seeing it, and I know that Cindy actually cried over it. Nearly a week later, I was sitting in front of a mirror in Cindy's bedroom. She had decided that now that my walk in heels was decent, she had decided that makeup would be the next thing that I would have to master. Lisa and Cindy were both sitting next to me at the mirror, giving me pointers on what to do while Jana and Tyson sat on the bed looking bored. You know, said Tyson, that Adam is only getting worse. I think he actually wants a rematch. Don't you? asked Jana. You're always saying that he needs to be put down and stuff. 
Yeah, but I got lucky last time with Dane. If I really did fight him again, I don't think I'd be let off so easy. Easy? I said, screwing the cap back on the lipstick I was using. You got a whole lot more Saturdays to work. Yeah, but it's not bad work, and if we get it done with everything fast enough, they really don't hassle us too much. You just like being one of the few girls there surrounded by all those bad boys, said Cindy. I saw a pillow whizzing past my head in the mirror, and I knew that Tyson had launched it at Cindy. Ouch, that's a zinger, said Jana. Hey, I'm not knocking it, said Cindy. More than a few of those delinquents are pretty damn hot. Seeing them sweating in the hot sun wouldn't exactly be punishment, said Cindy. We're in the wrong month for hot sun, I said. Oh, do your eyes over, snapped Cindy in mock irritation. Getting back to Adam, said Tyson, what do we do? It's really none of our business if Matilda doesn't want us to intervene, said Lisa. Okay, fine, but today he smashed and dumped my lunch all over my cafeteria tray, said Tyson. He keeps trying to push me a little further, hoping he can get me to snap. You just have to ignore him, said Lisa. If he can mess with her lunch and still have teeth left, then she's held back about as much as she can, said Jana. If you hit him, you will get in big trouble, said Lisa. I wish I could help, but he's not that big, but he's bigger than me, I said. Size doesn't mean that much, said Tyson. Okay, well, he could kick my ass, I said. I'm sorry. Yeah, he could, said Tyson. It's okay. Do you have to hit him, asked Lisa. You want her to just go out and let him keep messing with her, asked Cindy. Well, if she could take him down one peg or two without punching him, asked Jana. I'm listening, replied Tyson. Well, no offense, Emily, but we've managed to take her down more than a few pegs with only minor physical violence, said Jana. Yeah, but we had really good blackmail on her, said Cindy. It was hard to have the girls talking to me like I wasn't even there, so I just focused on redoing my eye makeup to their satisfaction. Well, we can get blackmail on him, too, said Jana. You really think it would work, asked Cindy. We've already made it work once. Now we just have to make it work again, said Jana. I think it's going to be a lot more complicated than that. But if you're going to try, then I'm in, said Lisa. What do you think, Emily? Would you like a little sister, asked Cindy. You really don't want me to answer that, I said. No, I guess not, giggled Cindy. Okay, let's figure this out then, said Tyson. I think I know where we can ambush him, if you're serious. When you're a high school boy, then there are certain things that you have to hide from your family. When mom calls you for dinner at the worst possible time, you don't yell back. I'll be down in ten. Make that five minutes. I'm masturbating. Every guy in my high school probably thought they were clever having some old box or suitcase under their bed when they hid their pot or their porno mags. Trying to hide something like my feminization was much harder. With Christine and the girls at school giving me hand-me-downs, makeup to practice with, and assorted items to hide, there was always a good chance that somebody would see something. That was only the tip of the iceberg, though. I had to practice my makeup skills, my walk, and just acting feminine. Then there was a chance that any one of my sisters could walk in on any one of those things. What did me in, though, was none of those 
things. The girls had plans that day, so I was allowed to go home and have the afternoon to myself. They'd give me a call that night and check that I had done the task they gave me. In my locker, at dismissal time, I found a post-it note attached to a plastic bottle. I could tell it was from Cindy by the writing I read. You're getting hairy when you get to shave everything below the neck and use this bubble bath. We'll see you tonight. Sure enough, the bottle was full of floral-smelling bubble bath. Needless to say, I did what I had been told to do. By now, my resistance was pretty much crushed. I had the house to myself, and it wasn't like I was dreading a warm, relaxing bath anyway. Unfortunately, it was too relaxing. After I finished shaving, I laid back in the warm bubble bath, and before long, I was sound asleep. I didn't wake up till I heard Angie pounding on the door. What are you doing in there, you creep? Are you playing with yourself? Go away, Angie. I'm warning you, I yelled back. The problem was, since I had the house to myself, I had left my clothes in my bedroom and figured I'd wrap myself in a towel when I left. Unfortunately, when I did, I finally had to walk right past Angie. What the hell, freak? You smell like a bouquet of flowers. I wanted to take a bubble bath, I protested. What did you do? She asked wide-eyed and trying to stifle a laugh. You shaved off your body hair? No, I didn't. Oh, my God, she screamed. My brother is a sissy. No, I barked. This could not be a bigger nightmare. I ran to my bedroom and slammed the door shut. I can't wait to tell everybody about this, Angie shouted through the door. Just leave me alone, please, I yelled back at her. Open up the door and I'll think about it, she replied. Stay in there and I'm printing this in the school newspaper. Angie, don't, I pleaded. Then open the door, she said. If I do, what will you do, I asked. Don't worry about that. Worry about what I'll do. If you don't do, as I tell you. Oh, looks like our hero is going to get it. Um, I've always said that one of the big differences between men and women if you told me and four of my friends to mess with a woman and gave us a half hour to come with a way to really do something and to annoy her, what would happen is we would spend a half hour just discussing who had the best idea. Whereas if five women were given the task of really messing with me and coming up with a way to annoy me, everyone would add ideas to the original idea it would be unrecognizable when it was done and it would be so much better women work together better than men in these kind of situations and that's why um this character is really in for it this book was originally called um feminized by the pack because i thought of them as like a pack you know a group i call them the pack um the new name is of course, feminized by the neighborhood girls, and Shayla's just doing an awesome job with it. I'm really glad that uh, I finally recorded it, or had her record it. Okay, the next part is from Sissy Brenda, who is a wonderful friend of the show. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. It's also read by Shayla. This is The Sissification of Brenda, part two. We uh, played part one several months back, and uh, if you like this, Definitely check out part one as well. 
Hi everyone, this is Shayla Aspasia, and y'all have probably heard my voice before here on the Feminization Boudoir. Tonight, this story is a little bit different. Kyla didn't write it. I didn't write it. It was written by the very special Sissy Brenda. Who is Sissy Brenda? Well, Sissy Brenda had been listening to Kyla's show for a very long time. And, well, as her name probably gives it away, Sissy Brenda is a sissy. A sissy made for her wife, Ramona. And she's always posting things on Twitter, videos, photos, and uh, she takes a great amount of care in cleaning for Ramona and keeping their house nice and tidy. In addition, she also has one hell of a wardrobe. You can find her at Sissy Brenda 2 on Twitter. Sissy Brenda is actually a pretty special person. I consider her to be a very good friend now. She was a longtime listener, and then she discovered she could call us all on Nightflur, and she did. And uh, I don't know who enjoys our calls more, her or me. Anyway... Sissy Brenda is brilliant. She is a sexy cross-dresser. She's confident. She's fun. She's funny. And, well, she held, tells, excuse me, tells one hell of a story. And this is part two of that very real story. And she's been kind enough to share her life story with all of us. Here is The Sissification of Sissy Brenda, written by Sissy Brenda. Thankfully, it was the end of the school year, and I was happy to leave high school. I did get good grades and ended up going to Columbia University in New York. When I arrived there in the fall of my freshman year, I knew I needed help, and immediately availed myself of the free psychiatric services available to students. They randomly assigned me to Miss Stern. I swear I'm not making that up. She was very tall, attractive, and professionally dressed in a white, shiny blouse, moderate, tight gray skirt, below the knees, and stilettos. I thought the college was playing a cruel joke on me. I sat there in her office, trembling. Although I had written Fear of Women on the required form to receive these services, I don't think Mrs. Stern quite knew what to make of me. It took until the next session or two before I was able to communicate. By nodding or shaking my head, and a few more before I was able to squeak out monosyllabic words. She realized I needed a lot of help, and we agreed that I would see her three times a week. Despite a heavy course load of advanced classes, I never missed a session with her. Progress was slow but steady. She taught me several calming techniques, taking deep breaths, closing my eyes and counting, slowing down to think through the ideas before speaking, 
and others. By sophomore year, we were down to just one session per week. She used logic with me, pointing out that women were people too. Wait, what? With the same hopes and fears, dreams and aspirations, frustrations and anxieties as me. I thought about this for a bit, but couldn't quite pinpoint what my discomfort with it was. It was junior year when I figured it out. Mrs. Stern was trying to make the point that I needed fear women because we were equals. That was a problem for me. I realized that I believed I was inferior to women. We spent several sessions on this subject, and this is where, to Mrs. Stern's chagrin, I'm sure, I crystallized my firm belief in female superiority. It was something that I felt deep within my core and would not shake. When it became evident to Mrs. Stern that this was a roadblock to further progress, we instead mutually agreed to work around this and kept plugging away. At the time, the male to female ratio at Columbia was five to two, five guys for every two women. So the women could all pick and choose. And a small sissy boy like me had no chance. With my communication skills, still a work in progress, there wasn't anything close to a date. But by the time I graduated, I was functionally able to talk to women like a normal person, thanks to Mrs. Stern. She was so proud of me. She came to my graduation and hugged me, and she was crying, which made me cry too. We stayed in touch after graduation, and when she heard I was engaged to be married three years later, she was positively ecstatic for me. We still exchange Christmas cards every year. I still sometimes get flustered and tongue-tied, especially when trying to talk to pretty women. I think back to Mrs. Stern's techniques, and this helps me. Shortly after starting therapy with Mrs. Stern my freshman year, I was in the dorm room's communal laundry room doing my laundry. To my pleasant surprise, girls also did their laundry in there. I nervously watched a couple of actual girls put their underwear in a washing machine. I saw another actual girl take out her clean underwear from a dryer. My eyes were wide. Actual girls doing laundry with their actual underwear? I blushed and tried to hide my erection and certainly did not make any eye contact with these actual girls doing their actual laundry as I was fearful of them. But I plotted my next move. At one in the morning, I came back and in the room, void of people, but I heard the telltale whirling sounds of a couple of dryers. I fervently looked around and opened the first dryer door. Guys clothes. Ew. I went to the second dryer. Panties as far as the eye could see. I quickly grabbed a nylon pink and purple pair and stuffed them down my pants. I saw a white half slip too and my eyes just bugged out. I took it. I saw a white bra and grabbed it. I quickly left the room. 
I realized I happened on a gold mine. But I knew I could not come back to this particular room for my panty fix. So the next night at 2 a.m., I visited a laundry room on a different floor. This time, not only were there dryers going, containing exciting panties and bras just waiting for me to take, but there was a full laundry bag on top of a washing machine. Eyes darting to the door, ears cocked listening for any sounds of people. I peered into the laundry bag. These were dirty clothes waiting to be washed. I had not been expecting that. I grabbed a pair of soiled white nylon panties. My eyes bugged out. I held them to my face. I smelled them, knowing this was the closest I'd ever actually get to actual pussy. For me, it was a revelation. I took these panties and also grabbed a pair of used red panties from the same bag and ran out the door. The next day was Saturday, so none of my buildings on campus had classes, and I went to the science building on the far side of campus with my haul of women's clothes, both clean and dirty. My dorm room, of course, was not safe for such activities. I went to an obscure classroom on the fourth floor and stripped. I put on the stolen bra and panties, half slip. Then I put the dirty red panties over my face and breathed in deeply as I jerked off into the pretty pink panties and a half slip. It felt so wonderful and also wrong at the same time. I was deeply ashamed when I finished filling up my panties with my cum. Sometime during sophomore year, I was emboldened somewhat by my communication confidence from Mrs. Stern's sessions. I tried a few times to ask various co-eds on a date. Sometimes it was just a firm no. Sometimes it was a no with a laugh. Other responses were, are you serious? I don't date sissies and you're a pathetic loser. That word again. Wow turned on much to my shame. So instead, while the rest of the college was dating and exploring sex like normal college kids, I was panty sniffing and secretly masturbating in stolen women's lingerie. This was my sex life. I had many orgasms in the stolen lingerie to memory of those last date rejections. I don't date sissy and you're a pathetic loser. I agreed with their assessment. I couldn't even talk to a girl, let alone come close to seeing, smelling, or fucking real pussy. Not for a loser like me, who spends their college years sniffing panties while jerking off into stolen lingerie. A pathetic sissy loser like me. That's who. Thank you so much for listening, and, uh, I hope you like both of the stories, both the one um, that I wrote and the one that Sissy Brenda wrote. Um, Shayla did a great job with both of them. Please, please, please take the survey. I really want to know if this idea of a subscription-based podcast is something that could work for me. If it could, I definitely want to go full speed ahead, but if it, if it isn't something that's going to work, I want to know that too before I waste a lot of time and energy and even some money on it. As always, this is still the most important podcast to me, and that is why 
I like this idea because I think I could like basically make one podcast and just make that one change between whether it's a clip of the audio or the full audio. So please take that that survey. That means a lot to me. Um, thank you again for being here. I hope you'll be back next week because I will be. Take care.